0: In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. How about those readings, huh? Yeah, Jeremiah. My joy is gone. Grief is upon me. My heart is sick. There's a three-point sermon for you. Yeah, amen, amen. Or, Or the psalm. Oh, God, the heathen have come into your inheritance and profaned your holy temple. But enough about Food Truck Friday. So, um, just kidding. You know, scripture, can, uh, it can, scripture contains the word of life, but it can be very hard to understand sometimes, can it? We can appreciate that, uh, that Scripture doesn't rush, just rush us into always being cheery and happy. Uh, it lets us sit in the range of human emotion, But scripture can be hard to understand. And for my money, very few passages in scripture are harder to understand than the parable of the dishonest manager in Luke chapter 16. Preachers, let me tell you, preachers dread when this parable comes around uh, in the lectionary passages. The great 19th century bishop of Liverpool, J.C. Ryle, wrote of this passage saying, There are knots in it which perhaps will be never untied until the Lord comes again. The fault is not in the book, but in our own feeble understanding. If we learn nothing else from this passage before us, let us learn humility. <laughs> so let's get started. Uh, you know, it's tough, really, to make uh, to make sense of this parable, I think. And, and scholars, as you can imagine, uh, offer a very broad range of interpretations. But... You know, I've, been, I've been wrestling with this passage now knowing this was coming for about a month and uh, I've read a lot of different interpretations and I believe that this passage is primarily about stewardship. Now I've got to tell you, I hadn't planned on having a stewardship sermon. That's coming up in a few weeks. Uh, but this passage is about stewardship. So we're going to talk about stewardship and uh, this morning. So we're going to use the passage. We're going to ask three questions about stewardship. What is it? What is our responsibility in it, and why is it so difficult? What is stewardship, what is our responsibility in stewardship, and why is stewardship so difficult? You know, I think that when Jesus told this parable, he probably had a twinkle in his eye, uh, just a little bit of a mischievous grin, uh, and I think the original audience would have found it very funny, actually. Uh, But there are 2,000 years between us and that original audience, and so it can be confusing. Uh, to us, there's a giant gap there. Well, what is stewardship? That's our first question. Uh, a lot of times, I think the church has sort of co-opted the word stewardship uh, to mean it's it's October and we want your money. Uh, that's sort of a lot of times what stewardship means. Uh, and the church sometimes has a reputation for being all about money. Uh, and it is true that we rely on your financial contributions to run the programs and to keep the lights on and the and the grass cut. But that's actually not what stewardship is. That might be some of the fruit of stewardship. That's not what stewardship is. In the parable, the manager is the rich man's steward. That was the title of his job. Like you might be a nurse or a teacher or an attorney or a a foreman or something, but um, that's the title of your job. The title of this manager's job would have been steward. You can translate it manager, but that's what it was called. it's a, a steward is one who manages the affairs or the property of another person. That's what stewardship is, managing someone else's property or affairs. And implicit in the job of a steward is that you want to do a good job, right? You, you, want to, you don't want to lose the things that you've been entrusted to care for. A good steward wants to use the resources that belong to the master in order to further the purposes of the master. And so when we talk about stewardship in the church, we actually should be talking about a lot more than just your financial uh, contribution to your church. And in fact, we should be talking a lot more than just about money. Because everything that we have belongs to the Lord. Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the, um, the world and everyone Who lives in it. It's all His. It all belongs to the Lord. Your house, your bank account, your car, your dog, your clothes, you yourself. It all belongs to the Lord. And everything we have has been given to us by Him to manage or to steward on His behalf for His glory. Everything we have has been given to us to manage or to steward on his behalf for his glory. The money that we give to the church to further the ministry of the church is actually just a very small part of our stewardship. Uh, Stewardship is simply the management of the things that belong to someone else. And so Christian stewardship is our management of all that God has given to us. Whether he's given us a relative lot or a relative little, we're all stewards. And we're all called to manage what God has given to us for His glory and to further His purposes. That's what stewardship is. So the second question then, what is our responsibility in stewardship? In this parable, the steward or the manager uh, is pretty bad at his job, isn't he? He's not just unwise in his stewardship, he's actually wasting his boss's possessions. Uh, He seems unconcerned with the master's best interests and really only concerned with his own interests. He um and he's gonna cost him his job. And so before he's officially fired, he starts cutting deals. And um he starts cutting deals with the people who owe his master money. Now, I read one commentator that suggested that what he's actually doing is cutting out his own commission. And that's that's a pretty compelling uh suggestion. But actually whether that's all the way true or not, uh, the discounts would have gotten the rich man at least a portion of the money he was owed, and would therefore have lessened his anger against the manager. And it would ingratiate the debtors to the manager because he had gotten them a good deal, and so they'd owe him favors later. So it's pretty slick, right? It's a win-win for the manager anyway. It's the best he could do. is pretty shrewd. It's what the scripture calls it: savvy. And he's savvy in furthering his own interests and protecting his own skin. And so when the rich man commends the manager, I think it's more like saying, well-played. Like not, he's not commending him morally. He's just saying, well-played. But it's still unexpected, isn't it, that the manager would commend him at all. And I think this is where we see that twinkle in Jesus' eye and that chuckle and hear that chuckle in the crowd. But I think what Jesus is saying after this is that the way that the manager operated is simply how the secular world works all the time, right? People always use whatever opportunities they have to look after their own interests. They do it all the time. You and I probably do the same thing. But, Jesus says, you're disciples, and you know that you're not the center of your own universe. Your heart belongs to God. You have given your heart to God, and so use what you have to love and to honor God. He says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a little is also dishonest in much. Jesus is talking about faithfulness to the Father. Right? How we use our money is actually a good indicator of our values, of our character. Uh, It's a good indicator of where our faith is actually placed and it's in that sense i think that jesus even seems to be saying that the way you we use our money is a sort of proving ground for being entrusted with spiritual things and that's really what he wants to give us he says if you then who have been unfaithful in uh, dishonest wealth and that word i think just means worldly wealth like secular wealth if you have been unfaithful in worldly wealth uh then Who will entrust you with the true riches? To be a good steward is to use what God has given to us wisely and for his glory. Some of us have a lot. and Some of us have a little. Some of us do a really good job with managing the things that we have. And some of us really struggle with that. But the responsibility given to all of us is to be demonstrably faithful with all that God has given us. Which means... That we are to be God-oriented and Jesus-conscious in every area of our lives. That he is, uh, it means actively seeking his will in regard to the things that he has given to us. And then, not just seeking his will, but being obedient to that will. It may mean opening up our homes. It may mean giving up our time. It may mean giving away Uh, money for God's glory and not just for a tax benefit our responsibility with all that God has given us is as stewards to further the purposes of God for the glory of God our responsibility with all that God has given us is to further the purposes of God for the glory of God And let me tell you I struggle with this I really do my wife, Amy, is much more spontaneously generous than I am. She tends to hold what we have lightly. And she just sort of knows innately that in the end it's all going to work out. Where I am fine to give what we have planned to give, right? I, uh, it's harder for me to drop what I'm doing and, and just help or to give money to a cause or a person uh, who needs it if we hadn't planned ahead to give that money away. I think that's my stuff. That's my time. That's my money. Uh, But it's not, is it? It all belongs to him. And I do know, and we can't always give. We've got to be smart about this sometimes. But I also know that it belongs to him. It all belongs to him. He's got me in his hands. And he's given me what he's given me to glorify him and to further his purposes. So it's a struggle for me. Now, I'm probably the only one, right? But... um, So then the final question is, why is that so difficult? Jesus diagnoses this for the disciples pretty clearly. He says that you can't serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. He says that very clearly. The difficulty in stewardship is in the allegiance of our hearts. And we say we're going to give our hearts to the Lord, but our hearts have a really hard time letting go of the other things, don't they? You know, the trick is to love God more than we love the things that God has given us. But our hearts are tricky things. The manager in the parable seems to have been far more in the service of the master's things than he was in the service of the master. So what about you? What about me? Are we more in service of God's things that he gives to us than we are in service of God? Are we concerned to love God and to love our neighbors, no matter the cost? Now, at this point, if I've done a good job, you're feeling a little guilty, right? <laughs> you're feeling maybe a little resentment, maybe a little uncomfortable. I wish, come on. You know, I mean, Scripture's hard to understand, but sometimes we understand it and we wish we hadn't, right? You know, just, um, we know what stewardship is. Stewardship is the management of someone else's property or affairs. Uh, we know what our responsibility is. is to use all that God has entrusted to us for his glory and to further his purposes. And we know why it's so difficult for us because our hearts serve two masters. But it begs a fourth question, doesn't it? And that is, what are we to do? What are we to do? Are we just going to try harder, focus in, a little, buckle down, do more, give more? i got to tell you. I'm not sure that's really gonna help the problem. the more you look at yourself, the the, the tighter the knots get. I mean, can anybody really do this? And I would say, yes, there is one. There is one who loved God perfectly. There is one who loved the people that God put in his path perfectly. There is one who loved God more than the things that God gave to him One who always and only was about the affairs of His Master. About the glory of His Master and the furtherance of His Master's purposes. Jesus Christ is the ultimate steward. Jesus is the ultimate steward. He gave everything. He gave everything for the will and the purpose of His Father. And in fact, in doing so, He gave everything for you. Jesus paid it all on the cross. He gave himself everything for you, for your sins. For the sins that keep you up at night, for the sins that don't keep you up at night, you know, that don't bother you at all. For the sins that are known and the sins that are unknown. Jesus paid it all, which means that he also paid for our selfishness. He paid for the things that, the times that we hold on to things too tightly, the times where we're not willing to give our, our stuff away, we're failing. Furthering the purposes of God. Jesus paid it all. There is no harumph between you and the Father. No, yeah, but, I remember that time when you... It's gone. You're free. Jesus paid it all. Which means that we wind up feeling like the bad manager. Like, I sure hope the Master doesn't come back and check accounts now, because I'm going to be in big trouble Your report card has Jesus' name on it. He paid it all. You were counted perfect in His sight. And isn't that free to know that when we're in trouble, whatever that may be, that it's never too late to turn again and again and again to Jesus? Like I said, if we look at ourselves, even if we're doing the right things, we're just going to end up in knots. But if we look at Jesus, and again look at Jesus, and look at Jesus again, then we're going to find that He is working in us that which is well-pleasing in His sight. And we will see that over time, God will create in us the Spirit of Christ, the fruit of the Spirit, and that we will become actually more generous, more joyful, more concerned with the, the affairs and the property of the Father, more willing to give ourselves up to Him. Stop looking at yourselves. Look at the Father. Let us pray. Father, help us to be concerned not with things earthly, but things, with things spiritual. As we prayed in our collect, let us be about Your glory, because You have given it all for us. Let us respond, perhaps, as good stewards. In Jesus' name, amen.